And now, live from Atlanta, Georgia, everyone's social media friend, it's Deb Creer. Every week, Deb talks with the movers and shakers, the experts, the best of the best in social media, bringing you all of the latest tips, techniques, and trends for successfully using social media. In social media, there's only one constant, Deb Creer. Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And I have one of my repeat guests on because she just has so much very important information, and she is so knowledgeable about social media that, you know, we never get taken care of in an hour what we need to discuss. And so it's great. I just have guests on again. So please join me in welcoming back Dorotea Bozicolona Volpe. Deb, it's so lovely to to hear your voice again. And thank you so much for um, the kind, extending the kind invitation to have me join you. It's always lovely to be on your show. Well, you do have such a wealth of knowledge, and I'll give your bio in just a second, but we're going to be talking about something I know nothing about, so this really is a program I'm very excited about, um, because you know there's just too much to keep up on in this world of social media, so I love it when I have friends and business associates who know these things who I can turn to and say, okay, tell me about this. So that's what we're going to be doing today. But before we do that, let me tell people just a little bit about you because it has been a while since I've had you on. So Dorotea was born in New York City to French and Italian parents. Her father's passing caused her family to move to Europe, where she became somewhat of a nomad. She has lived in Italy, France, Germany, Japan, Sweden, the Netherlands, and the United Kingdom. Dorotea is a strategic digital marketing executive who is fluent in four languages and specializes in developing business for international brands, mainly Fortune 500, via initiating and integrating social media and digital strategies and enterprise social networking, as well as building strategic partnerships and implementing marketing technologies. She teaches marketers and business leaders how to measure, optimize and build current new media efforts to increase value and develop strong relationships between brands and fans. There are three distinct areas of her business. Personal branding for C-suite executives, entrepreneurs, and celebrities via virtual thought leadership with the use of social media and content marketing strategy, blogging, and social visual communication. ESN, which is Enterprise Social Networking, creating an engaging, employee-retaining corporate intranet that encompasses everything from content and engagement strategy to vendor selection, implementation, and deployment. And her third area of business is social media and content marketing strategy. Small businesses to the enterprise, Dorotea creates social media architecture via strategic plans for community building and revenue generation by understanding socio-technographics, research, training, and development of internal or external resources, integrating with other marketing programs, creating a playbook to adequately address the brand voice on all channels across the digital landscape, deploying the correct technologies to measure and refine all programs. Additionally, Dorotea has appeared as a social media strategy subject matter expert on CBS and CNN's Olive Schilly show. 
Some of her clients include, now pay attention to this list, folks, because this is a pretty impressive list. World 50, Cisco, Ceridian, Keller Williams, Capital One, AutoNation, ING, Ron Clark Academy, Goldman Sachs, Stonewall Creek Vineyards, AJC International, Greenberg Tarig, Hall Booth Smith PC, Bodyology Wear, JES Holdings, Purina, L'Oreal, Toscan Atelier, Waffle House, Assurance Solutions, American Music Awards, Oprah Winfrey Network, Clarence, Randstad, BCD Group, Park and Fly, Ortec, Boy Scouts of America, Mashable, Ryan Seacrest, Ryan Seacrest Productions, Chrysler, The Weather Channel, Mercer, AT&T, American Marketing Association, Intercontinental Hotels Group, Ogilvy & Mather, Reader's Digest, Qualcomm, Turner Network Television, Coca-Cola, and PowerAid. You know, I read that because I, I really want people to know just how important you are. Dorotea is an avid skateboarder who, who tweets to relax. You can follow her on Twitter at Social Espionage. So again, Dorotea, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Deb. I don't, I don't know that we have time for the rest of the show after all of that. I know. <laughs> It's just such fun to be able to do that. But I did want people to know that you have worked with some of the biggest names in the business. And, you know, these were not tiny little projects, I'm sure. These were very impressive projects where you really helped them a lot. And as I mentioned, you're an expert. And that's why I like to go to people like you who know things far more about, you know, some of these subject matters than I do. So today we're going to be talking about something that I really know maybe 1% about, if even that much. I, you know, it's, it's probably safer to say I know nothing about it. And that's live streaming. So first, tell us what live streaming is. Well, what I'll say is that uh, streaming media, okay, uh, is what it's referred to in the mm -hmm. present day. And it's really multimedia that is constantly received by and presented to an end user while being okay. delivered by a provider. Um, I'll use the verb to stream, right? It refers right. to the process of delivering media in that type of a manner. And the term mm -hmm. refers to the delivery method of the medium rather than the medium itself and is an alternative uh, to what we used to do back in the day, which we used to download, right? Right. Uh, in order to view something or see it. Mm -hmm. you know, so somebody I, would upload something onto YouTube and we'd watch it. That's correct. That's correct. Versus years ago in the days of CompuServe, Prodigy, and AOL, uh, this is way before the social networking sites of things like Friendster and MySpace and Facebook. Mm -hmm. And what I'll say to you is what we were doing back then is we would download something and then we were able to view it on a media player, right? Right. Now we live in an age where we can stream it live, meaning we can mm -hmm. watch something directly. Um, you are you a fan at all of Netflix or Hulu? Do you use either one in your day to day? Um, I've I've watched them off and on. I'm actually not currently a subscriber, but I'm getting back into Netflix very soon. Okay, so Netflix is a perfect example of streaming media, right? It's ah. not live streaming, but it's streaming right. media. And for all mm -hmm. of the people who are listening uh, 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 to this broadcast, a lot of them probably binge watch in the last week or two. Correct. House of Cards mm -hmm. on Netflix because mm -hmm. their second season, uh, or fourth season, excuse me, was released on March the 5th. So they mm -hmm. probably grasped at, at a somewhat of a high level what streaming media really is. One of the things I always like to joke around when you think about streaming media and where it started, you know, I'll give you a great example. In the 1930s, elevator music was among the earliest and most popular, uh, popularly available streaming media. And nowadays, ah. it's internet television like Netflix and Hulu. So mm -hmm. when you really think about it, historically, we've come a long way, baby, right? Right. 
from, right. from listening and to something in, a, in an elevator to now being able at our fingertips, just dialing it up right on our laptops or our iPads or, or tablets or even our mobile phones, content mm -hmm. that we can stream directly. Right. And it's, it's very much what they call on demand. You know, you don't have to be sitting in front of your television when that show airs live because there are these other resources for it. And I know it's got to be driving advertisers nuts because, you know, a lot of times with the streaming, you can, you can take out the ads, you know, and, and some of the, the various uh, streaming platforms do that. But I think more and more people are enjoying it because they can do something like binge watching television programs or, you know, if they miss something, they can watch it in the middle of the night. And, you know, all of these various things that, that they, they can watch. And, you know, I, I have been doing some watching of some programs that actually went off the air 10 years ago. And, you know, I've got a lot of time sometimes just sitting around and, and kind of waiting for various things. And so I'll watch two or three of those programs and to me, it's fun because it's a program that, you know, I, I started watching a long time ago. So it's kind of refreshing my memory. So it's, you know, whether it's an old program or something that just ran maybe last night, streaming video is really, it's, it's as you said, it's getting more and more huge and more and more popular. Yeah. And what I'll say to you to, 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 to piggyback on that, when you look at it historically, you know, the term streaming was actually first utilized in the early 1990s as sort of mm. a better description for video on demand. And I love that mm -hmm. you use that term because it's true. That's what video on demand really was on the IP networks. And at the time, such, uh, such a type of video was usually referred to as store and forward video. They were using something called a CDN, um, mm -hmm. a content delivery network. So if they knew that you lived in a certain area of the country, and let's say you had little ones, right? Little ones love right. uh, Barney and, and Disney movies mm -hmm. and things of that nature. So the CDNs that were located close to where your specific zip code was, uh, or specifically uh, where your, your zip code was where you lived, they would actually keep that content stored so it could be forwarded to you on demand. So if ah. you had little ones and they wanted to watch a Barney video, that mm -hmm. CDN network would deliver it directly to your television set-top box. Now, it kind of sounds familiar to you, right? You're thinking cable, right? Mm -hmm. So, so what, what streaming has really become since then is live streaming, which really refers to content delivered live and over the Internet, right then right. and there, on demand, and it requires a, a form of source media like a video camera, an audio interface, screen capture mm -hmm. software, uh, an encoder to digitize the content, a media publisher. We're now kind of talking about the uh, cable company or your, your NBC affiliate, right? And a mm -hmm. content delivery network, a CDN, to distribute mm -hmm. and deliver that content over the Internet. And I want to share right. one quick thing for you that I found when I was doing my research initially for a presentation on, on live streaming and, and streaming for business, specifically to B2B businesses. And we can talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit later in, in greater depth. But it's funny. There was a, a, a band, a punk band, a grunge band called Severe Tire Damage. And it was the first <laughs> band to perform live on the Internet. On June wow. 24th, 1993, think about where you were, wow. June 24th, 1993, it's, it's, it's quite a ways, away. it's far, far, weird to feel that that was like 30 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The band was playing a gig at Xerox Park, uh, P-A-R-C, while elsewhere mm -hmm. in the building. Scientists were discuss discussing the new technology, the M-Bone, for broadcasting on the internet using multicasting. So as ah. proof of their technology, the band was broadcast and could be seen live in Australia and elsewhere. Wow. So really, we have those wonderful folks at Microsoft Research who developed Microsoft TV as an application way back in the day, mm -hmm. 
which was compiled under an MS Windows Studio suite, really initially designed for creatives and tested mm -hmm. in conjunction with uh, Connectix QuickCam. And that's what formed what would then became Real Networks, uh, also mm -hmm. a pioneer in the streaming media markets. And when it mm -hmm. broadcast a baseball game between New York, the New York Yankees and the Seattle Mariners over the internet in 1995, do you know that was the first ever sports game? ever streamed wow. over the internet. Think about that. Cool. 1995, and we're now mm -hmm. in 2016. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Well, and it's funny because it seems to me like it took it a while to catch on. Um, you know, and, and that, and I'm sure a big part of it was the technology on both ends, you know, the, the users didn't have, clearly they probably didn't have fast enough, uh, internet connections to be able to watch live, uh, sports events or live movies or, or whatever. So it kind of took technology a while to catch up, but you know, there are people that I know who they don't have cable. They don't have a satellite dish because everything they watch is on the internet. Um, and, and they've, as, as you know, a lot of people are saying, they've cut that cord, you know, and, and so it's, it's pretty cool to see where technology has come. And the fact that sometimes it took things a while to actually catch up. Right. And what I'll say to you is when you think about music, right. Um, mm -hmm. One of the first ever concerts that was ever uh, uh, on the internet, you know, after that, uh, New York Yankees, Seattle Mariners uh, baseball game uh, took place at the Paramount Theater in Seattle, Washington oh. on November 10th of 1995. And the concert mm -hmm. was a collaboration between the Seattle Symphony Orchestra and various mm -hmm. guest musicians that were actually from the Seattle area or in, you know, think about 1995. This is the time of grunge. You had Slash from Guns and Roses and Velvet mm -hmm. Revolver, Matt Cameron from Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, and Barrett mm -hmm. Martin uh, from The Screaming Trees. They actually, mm -hmm. along with the Seattle Symphony Orchestra, were when it was the first concert uh, that actually was streamed back in November 10th, 1995. Can you imagine mm -hmm. what that means today for brands like right. Spotify and Pandora mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Slacker Radio, right? Um, and technology has really changed streaming. You know, Microsoft developed the media player known as Active Movie in 1995, and that allowed mm -hmm. streaming media and included a proprietary streaming format. So what you had to do is, you know, you had to download it in order to use it. And it was right. actually the precursor to the streaming feature we now know as Windows Media, player. Mm -hmm. So if you use, uh, and I think that that was launched actually back in 1999, um, mm -hmm. and to compete with it, you know, Apple, they're always on top of, 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 of being competitive in the marketplace. In June of 99, Apple also introduced a streaming media format called QuickTime. And mm -hmm. it was called QuickTime 4. And now it's so funny, we still have QuickTime, right? But when you think right. about real player from Windows Media, it's changed vernacular a couple of times. But depending mm -hmm. upon which streaming format you're utilizing, whether you're on Hulu or Netflix or you're, you're uh, using Google Chromecast or Roku, they'll ask you to download a specific type of media player so you can actually stream directly to your television set from mm -hmm. your computer. Right. So that, to your point, is really what's causing a lot of people to say, oh, the heck with cable. I'm going to cut my mm -hmm. cord. But we're also seeing a little bit of backlash on that. And if I may uh, dive into that for a moment, mm -hmm. one of the things that we're also seeing is that there's also another type of technology that's kind of uh, derived from this instance. And it's called FPU or fee per use. People will mm -hmm. fall in love with a very specific type of content, right? Maybe they love the show uh, that HBO does called Girls. And they've mm -hmm. watched all of the uh, episodes and all of the various uh, seasons online through Hulu or, or Amazon Prime or, or Netflix, right? And then they mm -hmm. decide that, well, wait a second, I want to keep up with it. 
they now can buy an, uh, a subscription to something called HBO Go. Now, mm-hmm. what HBO Go is allows for something called fee-per-use methodology, where ah. I can stream content. Now, I've got to pay for it, right? It's not free. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Just like all of these, these services I, I aforementioned, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Hulu, mm-hmm. all of them you do have to pay for. Yes. Um, otherwise, well, they have to illegal. make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you're doing, and, and you brought up a very interesting point earlier, when you're paying for that subscription, what you also get is a commercial-free environment. So you're right. The advertisers aren't too happy about that, right? right? Hulu is one where they have integrated ads dependent upon sort of the, 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 the program that you buy, right? Whether you're a, a usual subscriber or maybe you subscribe to Hulu Plus and then you have a non-commercial experience. So they've given you mm-hmm. fairly, a fair amount of flavors, right? Mm-hmm. But with Netflix and also with that of Amazon Prime, the moment you pay that fee to stream, you now are removing the commercials from that environment. So let's get back to HBO Go for a moment. So it was so successful for HBO and that it was able to say, okay, great, you love uh, Game of Thrones, let's say. You now can buy HBO Go and through that subscription, you can now watch your favorite uh, HBO programs. You can stream them to your, ready for this? Your tablet, your mobile phone, your computer, you know how sometimes when I travel to Europe, I'm not able to use my Netflix account because it knows my IP address is on mm-hmm. the East Coast of the United States. Well, interestingly enough, with HBO Go, as long as you can sign in and you've got a Wi-Fi network, you're good to ah. go. And I think that that's really where we're seeing, I like to use this phrase, the consumerization of streaming, right? Right. These advances in technology. And I think that streaming, you know, has kind of caused that. You know, two mm-hmm. or three years ago, HBO Go, Go didn't exist. You know, people were mm-hmm. still, you know, uh, cracked out on cable or they were cutting the cord and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, using Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime. One of the things I think it's also interesting that's also changing technologically, you know, how sometimes technology has to catch up to consumerism. We're mm-hmm. also seeing now, and I don't know if you've seen some of the tweets that I've put out there, but the cable industry is now saying you can own your set-top box. Right. How interesting is that? Now you have control over that. Now, don't think that they're not going to probably sell a warranty along with it, you know, from what I've mm-hmm. read oh, yes. mm-hmm. online. And I think they're still trying to figure that, you know, that sort of that pricing model out. What's happening is they're saying, okay, you know, you've complained about your set-top box to, uh, to you know, Infinity uh, or Dish Networks or what have you, right? Now you can mm-hmm. own it. So if you own it, right, you might be responsible for a portion of that maintenance or keeping a maintenance agreement not right. unlike mm-hmm. you have a maintenance agreement on your refrigerator that's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, what do you call that? Um, a double oh, screw or a, a, right. God, mm-hmm. what's the word I'm looking for? Forgive me for, for having a horrible memory. You might have to edit this out. But you know, um, a service contract. Yeah, a service or, contract. Mm-hmm. So, right. so now you have the opportunity to actually own that set-top box. Mm-hmm. So you also have to think about the consumer is going to have to realize that that set-top box will age. The technology right. will change. You need to have a warranty. So all it really is, in my humble opinion, is another cable contract. Only now right. you may have, as a consumer, more responsibility, right, mm-hmm. to, in some way, shape, or form, um, be responsible for how you stream and how you consume content. And don't think that the cable companies still aren't grabbing your data and information as to the things you like to watch. I mean, I was at on Amazon the other day, and because I had streamed a very specific type of uh, science. I'm a big fan of sci-fi mm-hmm. uh, series. They were offering up other sci-fi, you know, series, right. as well as oh, yeah. books by Isaac Asimov. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, mm-hmm. oh, and Ray Bradbury and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. I thought, 
and Gene Roddenberry. So I thought, mm -hmm. okay, this is really interesting. Um, what Amazon is doing is it's saying, I know that you like sci-fi, Dorotane. If you're a fan of Star Wars and Star Trek, well, you'll also like this uh, show mm -hmm. over here. So don't think that they're not also on top of it. The other thing that I'll say, too, is that I feel that, and this is just a simple prediction, I feel that we're also going to see some further technology changes in the streaming industry. Um, we've already seen some of the backlash uh, of, for instance, Jay-Z, in order to compete with Pandora and uh, Spotify and others, uh, he's decided to have his own streaming uh, um, service called Tidal, which is right. great when you think about his exclusivity with people like Kanye West and so on and mm -hmm. so forth. But over time, I think the same thing is going to happen with music streaming that we're seeing with other types of content, uh, video streaming. Uh, I think audio streaming is going to change even more dramatically. Mm -hmm. I was reading in my research, um, when you think about audio streaming, you know, audio streaming services have become increasingly popular over recent years, you know, mm -hmm. and right. as, as streaming music hit a record of 118 billion streams in, two in 2013 alone. Mm -hmm. So you can now yeah. imagine, and that was not even before Tidal and, and, and other streaming services existed. So when you think about it, you know, because we can now today, you know, fast forward from 1995 and, and, and the grunge period, today, a media stream can be streamed either live or on demand. Mm -hmm. What is happening now is the consumer has control. Right. Right. You know, live streams are generated and provided by a means called what they call it true streaming. Right. When like Dwayne The Rock Johnson jumps on Facebook Live and wants to show people his daily workout. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or I have a, a, a client who is a, a nutrition guru and she likes to periscope at some of the events that she speaks at and some of the interviews she does with with uh, dignitaries in the nutrition and, and, and life coaching and, and health industry. Um, what I'll say to you is that now we as consumers decide whether or not we want to go for the live content or we're in the mood uh, with on-demand. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we kind of chuckled about earlier but prior to the the uh, podcast is we talked about also the phenomenon that we're seeing as far as entertainment is concerned. So um, there's also a phenomenon in the porn industry and that is camming girls. Camming meaning you are camera-izing your life uh, mm -hmm. throughout the day. And what's happening is that a lot of uh, beautiful women all different ages, you can't say it's more younger than older but I will say mm -hmm. that it does tend to skew younger are camming their day-to-day -day while people on the other end are paying to watch them. Mm -hmm. So now that brings live streaming to a whole different level because now you're getting into a situation where it's not free. I'm paying to have the opportunity to watch a young woman disrobe, work out, eat, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is that she is doing. Um, mm -hmm. But camming has also, you think about, you know, how consumers have changed the way we live stream, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and it brings a lot of questions with it too, because, you know, and it's, I'm, I'm assuming that for a parent, it can be very concerning to think, you know, what is my child doing? But it's also, you know, there's, there's so many opportunities for this to go bad where, you know, maybe, um, you set up a cam on somebody and they don't know it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and, and it's funny because we see all of these things on the various television programs where, you know, they've used the technology to do that. And it's like, can they really do that? Um, and I think probably in, in most cases, yes, they're not making these stories up, but you know, it, it, 
I think that the big thing here is more and more people really want it live. You know, they don't want to know what you did yesterday. <coughs> Excuse me. They want to know what you're doing now. And, you know, whether it is porn or, you know, it, you're doing something that is, you know, very uh, the opposite of that. You're showing what your product or your service is or it's a press conference or whatever. You know, they we want it. We want it now. You know, there's it's it's funny. On demand is taken on a whole different meaning. Oh, most definitely. You know, and I'd like to, to, to circle back to a point you were making. What if a camera is put on someone and they just simply don't know it? I don't know if you follow the news. Uh, I know you're a dreadfully busy person. But today, Monday, March the 7th, as we're recording this, Aaron Andrews was awarded a $55 million uh, 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 settlement in a hotel Mm -hmm. stalking case. Uh, A a jury awarded this woman named Aaron Andrews uh, a $55 million uh, award as a result of her lawsuit against a Nashville Marriott. Uh, There was Mm -hmm. a man who took and posted a video of her uh, one of which she was unaware, uh, unawares that would be taken. Um, mm-hmm. And she actually, it was a lawsuit against West End Hotel Partners, I guess, that own the Marriott chain mm-hmm. um, that operates uh, the Marriott's um, at uh, Vanderbilt uh, University. Um, mm-hmm. And um, evidently there was a gentleman named Michael David Barrett who tampered with her hotel room's people to mm-hmm. record a video of her while she was in her hotel room, uh, unbeknownst right. to her. And mm-hmm. he actually posted that video online in 2009. And the jury found Barrett, um, uh, you know, 51% responsible and the hotel mm-hmm. 49% responsible. Right. Meaning that Barrett uh, is on the hook for about $28 million in damages and the hotel about $26 million. But think about this. If you are uh, unbeknownst to the individual that you are videoing, not only are you getting yourself in trouble, and that's highly illegal, but also think about where you're doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this brings about, to your point earlier, a whole milieu of mm-hmm. legal issues and right. and also perhaps some legal precedent that mm-hmm. I hope that we get into a little bit, you know, further. You know, th- this young lady is, is a broadcaster for Fox Sports and she also co-hosts mm-hmm. ABC's Dancing with the Stars. So obviously, you know, she's also a celebrity and she's got her personal brand to protect. Mm-hmm. But imagine if it was somebody like yourself, Deb. Right. Who's traveling for business. Maybe you've got mm-hmm. business in another city and, you know, you're, you're thinking you're in the privacy of your own hotel room and you put on your PJs and you kind of sit back and all of a sudden a video of you shows up on the Internet a couple mm-hmm. of years later, a couple of months later. And you're like, hey, wait a second. That's me. You know, mm-hmm. right. Um, so. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a it's a really interesting and fun time as it pertains to a lot of what's out there. But it's also a very scary time when you think about the repercussions of something happening, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, we were talking about this before we came on the air. You know, what if you have paid to attend a conference mm-hmm. and you do a live stream, you know, just using your phone of the speaker? You know, is that right? Is that wrong? And, you know, everybody paid to be there, but you're giving it away for free. Now, some conferences think, hey, this is great advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're cool with that. And, and obviously if, especially if you're just doing it with your phone, the audio and the video quality isn't going to be spectacular and, and things like that. But at the same point, people did pay to attend and, and you are just broadcasting it for free. And, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those things where you're right. I think there's going to be a lot of legal precedents that come up, but in some cases, how do you even catch somebody doing things like that? And how do you stop them? And, you know, all sorts of things like that. I mean, you know, you can always say now there is no videotaping allowed. I love it when you go to a a concert and they say no pictures. Really? 
that how are they going to stop somebody? Um, especially if a whole bunch of people are taking pictures or reco- recording, you know, doing things like that. But it is, you know, it's, it's gotta be a time, especially for attorneys to be thinking, how are we going to be dealing with some of these issues? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I will say is that, um, I'll give you just a quick example, if I may. I recently, prior to his passing, had the opportunity to see the Eagles perform live. I actually took Toby mm-hmm. Bloomberg. She was my date. Uh, oh, very cool. Yeah, and um, uh, Glenn Fry was still alive at the time. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that they asked the audience, to your point, is no video, no streaming, mm-hmm. no pictures. Now, people were still doing it, but mm-hmm. the people who were running um, the concert themselves actually jammed. Phillips Auditorium, so you couldn't Mm -hmm. post anything. And Mm -hmm. I did take some pictures myself. I'll be honest to say that, uh, predominantly of Toby and I, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we were just having such a lovely time listening Mm -hmm. to to music that, you know, I personally think is timeless and that we both really enjoy. Mm -hmm. But what I'll I'll say to you is that I posted it after uh, on my various social networking presence because it was a fun night that, you know, the two of us didn't, because we Mm worked so much, didn't have the opportunity to get out very frequently. Now, I will say there were a lot of frustrated people leaving the Phillips mm-hmm. Arena in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. Because, oh, I bet. Because obviously their experience was mm-hmm. a little bit jammed. Um, but what I will say is that, you know, shoe on the other foot, people also like the memory. You know, being able to look mm-hmm. at that video, yes. being able to look at that mm-hmm. picture, and being able to say to their friends, hey, I was there then. I mean, think of mm-hmm. how many people who, you know, this is maybe not the best example, but it's, it's a, a stark, you know, example. Mm-hmm. When John F. Kennedy was shot. Right. right. Um, I was not yet uh, an apple in my parents' eye, but you know, uh, when I have talked <laughs> mm-hmm. to people who've experienced that, wouldn't you know, Deb, they knew exactly where they were. Oh, right. They knew exactly mm-hmm. the time of the day. They knew what Walter Cronkite said. They, they, mm-hmm. they knew what they saw and those pictures live on in infamy, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not, no, it's no different than it is now. Only now our memories are much more streamed. And, mm-hmm. I, and I know you, you wanted to kind of go into all the various, you know, streaming technologies and platforms that are out there. So, you know, you let me know when, and I'd like to talk. Oh, this is just fascinating. I love this. Am I boring you witness yet? No, it's, <laughs> it's so cool. And, and, you know, and, and it is funny because we do use those images to, to remember. And when we have to rely on our own memory, it does change, um, you know, and, and, you know, we remember where we were when Challenger exploded or, you know, all of these things. But just think if we had a video of it or, you know, maybe it was a concert or, you know, you're you're somewhere where something monumental happens. And, you know, even if it's just that you've got photos of it, that's great. But think if you have the video. I mean, you know, that's that's where it's even more powerful. And the cool thing is, you know, it's, it's funny what, uh, oh, I think it was what, $6 million man, where they said, we have the technology. Mm-hmm. And then they went, wah, 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 wah. Um, we do, you know, in the palm of our hands, literally, we have the technology to be able to do all of this. And, you know, 20 years ago, I can't imagine, you know, if you, if we brought somebody 20 years from the past up to now, if you showed them a smartphone. And told them everything that you could do with it, including live video and, you know, all these various things. They'd just be baffled. I mean, they would think that, you know, it's there's a commercial where they show some technology and the guy goes, oh, sorcery. You know, it's kind of there where people would just be dumbfounded that we can do all of these things now. Agreed. And what I'll say to you is that what we're also seeing is that different types of technology, when it comes to live streaming, appeal to different demographics. Right. Right. I think that 
might be an excellent segue into kind of talking yes, a little bit yes. about the platform. Yeah, because the platforms are, you know, some of them are social media specific, like Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously Snapchat, there's Periscope, Mercat, you know, all of these things. And those platforms, as you said, they do have very specific demographics. So let's talk about some of them because, you know, and, and as we record this, you know, there are specific ones. Of course, five days from now, there could be totally different ones. You know, you got to love right. technology. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it is something that I think, especially the big guys, you know, some of them kind of wait to see what happens. I think that's partially why Facebook has waited a little bit to jump into their Facebook Live product because they, they've they looked at Blab, they've looked at Mercat and Periscope, and finally they saw, ooh, you know, this is a pretty popular thing. But you're right, it is a very different audience. I mean, Facebook Live, Facebook tends to skew a little bit older demographics. Um, and some of the others are definitely much younger. So, you know, talk about each one just a little bit. You know, we don't want to, we, we just don't have time to get into them in detail. But then let's really talk about from a business perspective, how a business can use some of these to really be promoting themselves. Okay, certainly. So you've, you've asked about four questions in one, so I'm going to try to be as I know, and, and we, and we only have a half hour left. Okay. <laughs> so I want to talk first about companies like Livestream, uh, which was one of the okay. first ever video platform, you know, that allowed uh, anybody to basically, you know, broadcast video content over the web, mm-hmm. over iOS, Android, Roku, that kind of thing. And it was also one of those companies, one of the first ones that allowed for a free uh, ads-supported device, right, and, and a multi-tiered pr- platform of premium services okay. like Hulu, like Netflix, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. And, and you know, live stream is, is the technology that powers things like Spotify, uh, mm-hmm. Gannett Online, the World Economic Forum, Forum Tesla, SpaceX, mm-hmm. even the NBA, right, and mm-hmm. over 200 local television affiliates and thousands of others. Then you, then you move forward and you've got Ustream. So Ustream.tv was founded back in 2007, mm-hmm. and it basically provides video streaming services to about 80 million view- viewers back then, uh, and right. broadcasting companies, people like Panasonic, Samsung, Logitech, CBS News, PBS NewsHour, Viacom, IMG Media, which is a huge group when you think about um, European football, FIFA, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Ustream really was the live game streaming service for all of Sony's uh, PlayStation 4. So if you were on Sony's PlayStation 4 and you wanted to watch European football, you could do it utilizing the Ustream service. Right. Um, and they really witnessed at very early on some very notable people streaming on their service. Politicians like Hillary Clinton, our president B- Barack Obama, uh, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Even Tori Amos, right, even took mm-hmm. advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Then what they started to see is notable life casters. Remember we talked about camming girls earlier? Mm -hmm. Well, prior to that, there were people called life casters. I, Justine, um, uh, and and others were life casters. They were casting their their life. And and very easily, it then became sort of adopted by the technology community. Um, Robert Scoble. Uh, Leo Laporte, Chris Perillo, and others would actually use Ustream to talk um, about various companies and technologies that they were seeing. And Ustream allowed you to stream directly to the social networks as well, which made it very unique and interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to today, okay, you know, this war has been brewing really for some time in, you know, the, the live streaming world. In the early days, you know, uh, you had you streaming, you had Justin.tv, you had live stream, right? All kind of, you know, uh, going up uh, against one another. You know, now uh, two of those, Ustream and Justin.tv, are owned by Twitch because they ah. Twitch wanted to take advantage of 
the aspect mm-hmm. of gamers were using it. They were also watching sports, and there was a large number mm-hmm. of sports channels that were being, uh, uh, you know, distributed through it. So they really have kind of, through their acquisition, changed the background somewhat. Now I want to fast forward to just in the last two years, okay? Mm-hmm. Last year at South by Southwest, around this time, there was a darling of the South by Southwest uh, uh, Technology Festival, and that was Meerkat. Meerkat was one of the first ever live streaming video products that would work and speak with Twitter and its algorithms, uh, eventually Mm -hmm. Facebook and others. But what they didn't know is that Twitter had already purchased a very specific type of live streaming technology, and they were going to go ahead and release it around the same time called Periscope. Mm -hmm. And, And Periscope, really, what Twitter did is it forced the hand of Meerkat by saying, look, we're going to tell every one of the you know, celebrities that are on Meerkat today that we won't live stream any of their content on Twitter unless they're doing it and doing it actually through Periscope. Right. And of course, celebrities love Twitter. Oh, most definitely. They love to tell you know, their life story, tweet about it. We were, we were mm-hmm. talking earlier about She Who Shall Remain Nameless, Kim Kardashian, and how she uses Twitter as a vehicle huh. for her own personal brand. But mm-hmm. now think about this. If you force the hand of people who are really wanting to use Twitter as a vehicle and say, I'm only going to offer you X, well, what mm-hmm. do you think is going to happen? They're going to jump. Oh, they switch. Exactly. Right. Now let's go back just a few years uh, prior to that in South by Southwest, a um, little company called Snapchat. Snapchat mm-hmm. allowed for about eight, 10 seconds of video, you know, for you to go ahead and stream your life. And it was predominantly taken over by a younger set because they mm-hmm. looked at it as a way to communicate back and forth uh, very easily and very visually with other young people. Right. And they loved that it was short. Yes, exactly. Because they, they have the attention span. You know, I say I have the attention span of a gnat. I'm not sure what's a lot shorter than that, but that's what those kids do. You know, if it's longer than 10 seconds, they're done. Yeah. And so what Snapchat did is they got smart and said, okay, so for this service for free, you're going to get these 10 seconds. But brands mm-hmm. and other people who can afford it, we're going to create something called Stack Stories. You know, mm-hmm. back then in the day when Snapchat very first got started, we should talk a little bit about the parameters around the, the, uh, the solution. As mm-hmm. an app, it would allow you to take those 10 seconds of video, it would be watched in 24 hours, and then it would go away. Mm-hmm. Nothing was kept right. on server. And what you mm-hmm. found is that some of the earlier adopters were young boys in high school who were sharing, let's say, some not-so-PG-30 uh, yeah. pictures, mm-hmm. right. videos mm-hmm. with their friends, right? Um, fast forward to just literally within that same year, Snapchat got smart and said, okay, we'll now allow you to tell your stories. And through these stacked stories, you can tell several stories over a 24-hour period, and then they'll go away. Then mm. at the time they said, well, if brands want to buy a stacked story, we can keep it up for ad infinitum if they wanted to pay for it. Right. So then that's really where I felt the turning point for them becoming mm-hmm. an entertainment vehicle really happened. This is my own humble opinion. Take it for what it's worth. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's really was the the place where we saw the catalyst for brands saying, hey, wait a second, there's something to do. We want to do this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, then you started to see Instagram jump in the mix, 15 seconds mm-hmm. of video. And how about Vine? Another Twitter product. Vine mm-hmm. allowed somebody like Dunkin' Donuts in December, I'm sorry, take that back, September of 2013, to mm-hmm. actually buy media on channels like CBS, NBC, uh, ABC, and be able to, in six seconds, tell a Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Right. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. So when you, when you think about, you know, live streaming um, and also recorded and so on and so forth, 
where I think is what I think is happening is we're now starting to see the weak sort of separate from the chaff. I want to talk about Facebook Live for a moment, if I may. Mm-hmm. So now you add Facebook Live into the mix. This is about a year or so into Meerkat having its, you know, 15 seconds of fame at South by Southwest. Later on in 2015, Facebook gets smart and says, wait a second. We need to compete with Twitter's Vine video and Periscope. We need to be able to compete handily with Meerkat. Facebook realized that people on average, and remember, they've got 1.9 billion eyes every month coming to the site. On average, people were watching one hour and 47 minutes of YouTube videos, uploaded videos, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. a day, okay, on the Facebook platform. 1.9 billion people, that's an hour of their watching videos. Wow. And of course, Facebook doesn't want you to do anything except look at Facebook. Bingo. You hit the nail on the head. So what does Facebook do? They, they took a page from the Meerkat uh, playbook. They went mm-hmm. out to very specific celebrities who had a very large uh, following on Facebook, and, and as mm-hmm. well as other social networking channels. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg are not stupid. <clears throat> right. And they said, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, right? Madonna mm-hmm. and others, who would mm-hmm. love to have the opportunity for you to stream your life on Facebook. You mm-hmm. have a huge community there. They're already, you know, kind of, they've already drunk the Kool-Aid. They're following you in other channels. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what wound up happening is Facebook Live then became an opportunity for celebrities to get a little bit closer to their community and in a right. more real way because why mm-hmm. it was happening live. And, you know, mm-hmm. we all love, you know, I don't care what people say, oh, reality television is horrible, but people love to watch somebody doing something else, specifically somebody mm-hmm. that they look up to, emulate, mm-hmm. or just love the, their work as, a, as an artist, whether they're an actor or a singer or what have you. Mm-hmm. And, and Facebook Live, you know, they, had a, they have a product manager named Vadim Lavrusik. And what he said was that, you know, they, he really felt, Facebook thought that it would be an awesome experience for both public figures as well as users over time. And they wanted to get feedback from the public figures and viewers as they were evolving Facebook Live. Now, mm-hmm. as they've evolved it, it's changed names for, you know, plebs like me. And it's mm-hmm. called Facebook uh, Moments. Mm-hmm. And so now I can actually record a moment, right, and put right. it up there. You know, mm-hmm. when, when Lav Rusick was, was asked about, you know, Periscope and Meerkat, he said, you know, public figures have already figured out that they have fans on Facebook and that they want to share every single day with those fans because those fans are highly reactive. Again, mm-hmm. if you have more eyes, right, of course you're going to have more mm-hmm. highly reactive community. Right. And essentially, you know, what they, these, they, you know, Facebook was banking on is that these celebrities, whether they be a sports figure, a public figure, a politician or what have you, would really get the reach that they wanted to create a larger fan base, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, with huge fans, you know, liking stuff. And now that we have more emojis to actually express our opinions, oh, yes. we can like, say we're sad, we're, we're sad, you know, or we love or we're happy or we're giggling or, or mm-hmm. what have you. You know, now you could see a wider audience participation, and that would allow the public figure, the celebrity, the politician, to really kind of, you know, um, navigate what type of content, uh, you know, through analytics that they should be posting. Right. Yeah, I mean, a a good example that I could think of would be, say, somebody like Madonna, Mm -hmm. who maybe she's getting ready to record a new album. If she did a Facebook Live showing that process, you know, even if it's just little snippets here and there... Then when the song actually comes out, and, you know, there are still things that come out on CDs, but, you know, maybe it's on iTunes, it's, it's wherever, people who watch that whole process, they really want to buy that song. 
you know, there's there because they're invested in it. They know that exactly. it's been there. Or, you got it. You know, we've, we've been watched an athlete work yeah. out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so then, you know, and, and of course the cool thing is it's not just that it's live because then when they finish it, it has recorded it. So then you can go back and watch it later on their Facebook page and, and, you know, all of those various things. So you can still be invested in it on demand. You're correct. And one other thing I also want to, to, to really drive home where Facebook Live is concerned is, you know, Facebook, you know, wants all of that video traffic. Because think about it. More eyes means they can charge more for advertising. Right. Yeah. And they don't want them. They don't want people going to YouTube because YouTube is owned by Google. You know, and, and I mean, whether people want to believe it or not, that is who they are competing against. You know, different platforms, you know, all those differences. But, you know, in the end, it's, you know, I'm, I'm going to really show my, my nerdism here. There can be only one, um, you know, and, and oh, I agree. so, yeah, you know, I think yeah, Facebook I- is thinking, you know, we don't want people to go to YouTube because then they'll get caught in something else on YouTube and they won't go back to Facebook. Correct. And you know, when you think about the debate, Meerkat versus Periscope, yeah, they both do a, a lot of the same thing. But Periscope mm-hmm. has Twitter's, you know, uh, backing. And mm-hmm. Periscope is owned, because it's owned by Twitter, they also have greater capacity to expand that application right. and do mm-hmm. more with it. Even though Meerkat was uh, at 2015 South by Southwest Darling, they were really mm-hmm. building their entire platform on the algorithmic equation that is Twitter. And now that mm-hmm. Twitter has, you know, Periscope, you really are kind of seeing, you know, the move away from Meerkat and move more toward Periscope when it mm-hmm. comes to public figures. Because right. what they figure is, I'm already on Twitter anyway. Why don't I Periscope mm-hmm. or Vine or Hyperlapse right. or what have you? You know, Hyperlapse is Instagram, I'm sorry. Uh, but just, you know, why don't I already spend some time mm-hmm. there, right? And the other thing I will say, too, is that I want to talk, touch base again about Instagram. Instagram doesn't live stream. But it now has allowed for when you're doing or conducting your videos that you can post in real time, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning you can post it right after you've shot it. They now have products that they have actually, a whole product set that they've actually promoted to the public. Hyperlapse, Boomerang, mm-hmm. and others that allow you to take that video and make you look like, you know, you're a... Uh, an editor or producer in a studio. You could Mm -hmm. change the colors. Excuse me, with hyperlapse, it's a way to actually do stop motion gap filming very quickly. With boomerang, Mm -hmm. it's a way to actually take, uh, let's say, several videos like you you would, uh, several pictures like you would with Animoto back in the day Mm -hmm. and stream them together to create a video, um, which is really very magical. And 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 what I'll also say is that, you know, before we get into the legal bits of it, because I know you want that as well, you know, if you think about the live streaming wars, I'll tell you, it's really, in my humble opinion, going to be really broken down to two. I think it's going to, YouTube will always be there, will always be a player. But when I think Mm -hmm. of live streaming, I think that the main two, uh, let's say, um, the main two adversaries um, are Facebook and Snapchat. Right. And predominantly because of the fact that, to your point earlier, it's a demographic issue. It's also Mm -hmm. an issue for comfort and how easy it is to utilize the platform. I mm-hmm. think just as much as Facebook did a great job with launching Facebook Live, and I give them a great deal of kudos because they leveraged public figures. You know, they jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. They got right. people like right. The Rock Johnson and, and uh, uh, one of the um, famous tennis players, there's Venus and Serena Williams, one of the Williams sisters mm-hmm. also. Forgive me that I can't remember uh, exactly which one. But w- what I'll say to you is that they realized that, hey, we have the eyes. And to your point earlier about YouTube, 
we have the eyes, we need to build the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Now, and it's a plus that they leveraged public figures. Right, right. But I'm now going to quote the 1911, a 1911 quote from Arthur Brisbane, who was an editor for a popular, uh, at the time, uh, news, uh, uh, newspaper. Um, mm-hmm. He said a picture's worth a thousand words. But it was yes. real yeah. pictures that he was discussing. The mm-hmm. thing that makes Snapchat so magical, okay, whether you're following a celebrity or not, is really it, the backbone of their entire platform is that it was real people sharing real content mm-hmm. in real time. Average Joes, college right. students, high schoolers, right? Because mm-hmm. they all wanted that, as Andy Warhol puts it, their 15 seconds of fame. Mm-hmm. But it was also, they got smart because Snapchat eventually became a communication methodology. Mm-hmm. Now I can video, rather than responding your text saying, hey, what are you doing right now, Dorotea? Um, I can show you, Deb, that I'm cooking dinner, right? Or I'm making mm-hmm. a cup of tea. Right. As well as all of my audiences. So I really feel that Facebook and Snapchat seem destined to clash. And I think mm-hmm. what's going to happen over time is we're going to start seeing, you know, the two of them continue to evolve. And just like Instagram, come out with other products, other solutions that can build, be built upon or leverage upon, leveraged upon their current, mm-hmm. you know, solution platform. Um, right. I think that, you know, Twitter's doing a great job uh, at trying to kill Meerkat. You know, YouTube will continue to quietly grow, but I, I really feel that the bulk of it is still going to be Facebook and, and Snapchat. Right. And Snapchat's already kind of doing something with regard to, you know, you've got Snap Cash now. The, you can tell these, you have stack stories, you know, um, you know, Vine was doing that for a time too. They still have it where you can, you can have a, a story and, and it will, it will be something that you can, as a brand advertise on. Um, like we talked about that September, 2013, a Dunkin' Donuts commercial that was actually done via Vine video. I mean, I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. The, the issue now we get to, um, is the legality. Right? Yes. You know, as in the case with so many legal questions, it, I will tell you that the answer really is somewhat of, of uh, and I'm quoting my friend, Carrie Gorgone, who is a, a great social media guru. Um, she does a lot of work. Uh, she's one of marketing profs uh, on staff members, but she's also got a background uh, in, in law. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she said in a blog post is that it really kind of depends. You know, if you're a brand and you're capturing copyrighted content, you know, if somebody walks through your live stream, like we talked about this earlier, that's wearing like a Ralph Lauren polo shirt or what have you. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you've got to, in some way, shape or form, be able to uh, say that, you know, that 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 individual has signed a, a release and that some sort of something was paid uh, to uh, Ralph Lauren and his his company for the polo brand. Right. Um, and this is predominantly why the movie industry, if you remember correctly, when Google Glass very first came out. Oh, yeah. The movie theaters who were wearing Google Glass. Yes. They banned Mm -hmm. it in 2014 because, again, to your point earlier, people have paid for that experience. Why Mm -hmm. should somebody be able to record it or live stream it for free? Now I'm going to fast forward as well to, you know, uh, uh, last year we saw the Pacquiao and Mayweather fight. Mm -hmm. Well, people were periscoping that like crazy. And Twitter had to really put, uh, you know, the kibosh on that. And the moment they caught wind of it, they would cut the person's Periscope account mm-hmm. uh, off uh, for the remainder of, of the boxing match because right. the cable industry said, hey, look, no live streaming. They were so mm-hmm. adamant, in fact, that, that as, uh, and I had the opportunity, the wonderful opportunity by being invited by friends down to their home to watch the fight. I'm a huge fan of boxing. Um, my mm-hmm. grandfather was a pugilist, so I really love uh, being able to watch it um, semi-live while, right, while right. it's mm-hmm. being streamed. Um, one of the things that they would not allow the celebrities to do is bring their phones in. 
They had to shut mm. their phones down. Wow. So even Paris Hilton and Justin Bieber, the Biebs, when he was walking uh-huh. in, had to give up his phone, right, in order to be able mm-hmm. to watch the fight. And the cable companies did that because you had people who were, you know, even people in their homes, you know, watching the fight mm-hmm. were uh, live streaming it on uh, Periscope and Meerkat. So that's another right. situation. Another thing you need to think about legally is location, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you are going to film something and you're a B2B company and maybe your product exists uh, in, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, out in the wilderness, maybe it's a bicycle or maybe it's, a, mm-hmm. you know, something that is camping gear. You always have to think about how you're showing that specific product and how it lives in the real world. So mm-hmm. if a bus goes by, right, and there's an advertisement on the bus or, you know, there's somebody walking on the sidewalk, you really have to understand that, you know, you have no reasonable, no reasonable expectation of privacy. Um, and you know that there's also, you know, some exceptions around that legally, you know, one of the things that Carrie Gorgone talks about in this specific blog post is she talks about the fact that, you know, there are two exceptions, there's commercial use and then there's criminal peeping, you know, people cannot use the picture or video they capture of you for commercial purposes without paying you. Right. Mm -hmm. In other words, Apple can't just record people on Meerkat or Periscope using an iPhone in the wild. You know, they, mm-hmm. they need to use that use that footage um, and then ultimately use that footage right to promote its products. They have to pay these people as actors, right? Right. So anyone featured in a commercial or a promotional content has to sign a video release or the company mm-hmm. could be liable for what's called appropriation or violating that person's right of uh, publicity. Right. Which means the right to choose if and how their personal likeness is being used for promoting brands, mm-hmm. products, or services. Right. And, you know, the, a practical application of this to somebody who's, you know, <clears throat> a much smaller business, say it's a restaurant. Right. And, you know, and, and they're just showing what their special of the day is and how people are enjoying it. Well, you know what? If you didn't ask those people, at least verbally, is it okay if we do this? you know, you could be in trouble, um, you know, and, and especially when you're selling that product, you know, so you're using them as a way to sell the product. They're going to come back at you and say, I didn't give you permission to to do that. And Hey, you know, because people saw me and I have, you know, all these followers on Facebook, they, you know, it, they took it as I was endorsing that product or that service. Mm-hmm. So now you're going to pay me, right. um, you know, and, and, and it does get really tricky. You know, I'm, I uh, started my PR career with nonprofits, with actually the American Cancer Society. And I remember one of the things that we always did when we had a special event was included in that was the the statement that, you know, we could use your photo for publicity. And now, you know, because everybody has a phone, because, you know, it's, it's out there all the time, that gets to be a really sticky situation. You know, Deb, here's the bottom line. Streaming video, doesn't matter if you're using Meerkat, Periscope, Facebook, you know, mentions or what have you, Mm -hmm. um, or any similar service. In a public place, it is generally legal, but brands, people always should obtain releases beforehand. Right. Even if you just plan to use the content internally, right? Mm -hmm. If you plan to use the content at all for commercial purposes, you're right. It's important that you get those releases in place Mm -hmm. so that you're covering yourself legally and that you Mm -hmm. also don't open yourself up to a lawsuit. Right. And and it's just a matter of common courtesy. I mean, you know, back to the restaurant example, maybe you show the chef from the competing restaurant in your video. He didn't know he was was, you know, he was going live streaming and he gets fired. 
Um, you know, so give people the chance. Hey, you know, we're going to be doing this on Periscope, Facebook Live, whatever. Anybody who doesn't want to be part of it, please just step aside. Boop. You know, that, that's going to help immensely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, the other thing I would say, too, is that you also have to think about trademark. You know, we, we talked earlier mm -hmm. about, you know, the polo brand, any kind of clothing, food packaging, consumer products that might be in the shot, you know, even a desktop item that you might have that, you mm -hmm. know, could be a, something that you got from a trade show as, as swag or, or bric-a-brac, you know. What I'll say right. to you is that, you know, even those things that we might think are obscure, um, if they show up in a video, you then have a trademark issue. As yes. it pertains to, and believe it or not, intellectual property holders can be very litigious mm -hmm. and very protective well, of their rights and their rights of how their brands yes. are positioned. Well, and especially if you happen to show something in a less than, than nice light, you know, maybe you're making fun of something or whatever, boy, they're going to go after you. And, you know, and, and businesses need to, to remember that it doesn't matter how small you are because of social media. You know, something can go viral. It can be seen by, you know, so many people very quickly. And maybe you only intended on, you know, 100 people seeing it. Well, then all of a sudden 100,000 have seen it and you were making fun of something, you could be in trouble. Agreed. Yeah. I think it's very important yeah. that you take that into consideration. Right. But, you know, it's it's a very cool technology and it's going to be so much fun to see how it evolves. I can't wait to really start using it myself. You know, I'm I'm one of those people that... It's, you know, I wait to let some of the bugs get worked out of some of these things. And so, you know, kind of see where it dies down. So maybe it'll just be Facebook. Maybe it'll be Snapchat that I use. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not going away. So we might as well use it in a way that is best for our business. Indeed. And, and you know, I'm hoping to give a talk later on uh, this year at, um, at a, uh, a digital marketing conference now. We'll right. let you know when I do that. Mm -hmm. um, I've given several talks on live streaming, and I think that really, if leveraged properly and legally, mm -hmm. um, it really could be a, a wonderful piece of ammunition in your digital marketing arsenal, you know? Right. And I think that if it's done in a meaningful way and a thoughtful way, it can do anything from promote a B2B product to help mm -hmm. recruit that right employee because you're shooting mm -hmm. a, a video of, of employees or, or doing testimonials internally in your organization. I mean, there is a myriad of uses and strategies right. I can come up with. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you have to be thoughtful in this process and really understand the way forward, you know, yep. really understand Perfect. the best way. And, and you'll find out very quickly when you live stream who your live streaming audiences really are, mm -hmm. specifically oh, right. when it comes to Periscope, specifically when it comes to Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. You see in real time, you know, how people are reacting, positive or negative, to your, mm -hmm. live, streaming, uh, your, your live streaming content. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, Dorotea, you know, we're almost out of time and I want to give you a little bit of an opportunity because this is something that you speak about. And, you know, we, we gave your long list of, of clients at the start, but you give public presentations and you go and you speak at various events. How do people find you and connect with you online? That is so easy. And thank you very much for asking. So my website is uh, www.socialespionage.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Periscope and Vine, as well as Hyperlapse and Boomerang at Social Espionage. And um, you can email me uh, if you like. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good about responding within 24 hours, no matter where I am. In 
world at my first name, Dorothea, D-O-R-O-T-H-E-A at socialespionage.com. And can I tell you, Deb, it was such a pleasure after all this time to reconnect with you and talk it about is. a subject that obviously I'm very passionate about. So thank you again for providing me with the opportunity. Well, and I can't wait to really start using these tools, especially, see, now you got me excited about it, so I'm going to have to use them. So, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a fabulous time talking with Dorotea Boza-Colona-Volpe on Mile High Radio. And for those of you out there listening, check into this. Check out Dorotea at socialespionage.com. And everyone, have an absolutely fabulous day. Thanks for listening to Deb Career, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.